All right. We're back with another episode of the Gang Grow Retain podcast. And today I have a very special friend, Mark Killens. Did I did I say your last name right? You nailed it, Jay. Okay, good. I, I should have just left it there then. But Mark Killens from Air Meat, formerly with HubSpot, Drift, now Air Meat. I mean, this guy's got the who's who of logos on his resume. So, Mark, we, we've been planning to do this for it feels like a couple of months at least. So uh, we finally got finally finally here we are. So good to have you on, man. Yeah, I'm stoked for this conversation. Thank you for having me on the show. Yeah, definitely. So Mark and I, um, we we first connected uh, on LinkedIn, as often happens. But uh, what I noticed was he got the CMO at an events company, and he's talking an awful lot about the community and customer success. I'm like, how does this guy like know all this stuff? about all these different areas. So I think I've, I mentioned in a comment at some point, like, dude, we got to have you on the podcast. We got to chat and you're like, all right, fine. And then it took us another like 60 or 90 days to get scheduled. That's totally on me. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, tell us a little bit about air meat and, and sort of what you've done previously in your career that sort of brought you to, to, to air meat and what you've been doing. I'm happy to. I mean, I think the, the place you start Jay is you have to reimagine or rethink what you mean when you say events because to me like events content even community all those words have multiple meanings you look them up in the dictionary google them. like there's just so many ways you could define them so the way we think about it at Aramid, it comes down to when you're getting someone when you're getting a group of people i should say together live and it doesn't matter if it's because you're trying to do a small, more engaging meeting all the way to uh, one of our biggest customers uses us for 90,000, no exaggeration, 90,000 in-person events every quarter. Every quarter? <laughs> yeah, every quarter. It's crazy. It's a Fortune 100 company. It's a Fortune 100 company. Okay. Ma- yeah. <laughs> so... You know, we help companies put on dynamic events, premium webinars. But can you think about it again? Like, what's a webinar? What's an event? It all goes back to the use case. You know, what are you trying to use an event for to help your to help your business? So we've coined this term called event-led growth. There's community-led growth. I like to think of like inbound marketing as almost content-led growth. Yeah, and there's like these all these different like gonna go to market motions these days. And what I've learned from my time at Drift and HubSpot, events could be a training event, could be a workshop, could be a customer meetup, could be a demand gen webinar. Events are a great way to help the business grow. Yeah, absolutely. And we, before we were before we started recording, we were talking a little bit about Gain, Grow, Retain, the community the the community that this podcast is associated with, and really the whole thing spawned out of events, right? I mean, we we had a yeah. weekly call when the pandemic hit us. We had a weekly call for. CCOs and customer success leaders. And it was, you know, more and more attended every week, but we learned through that. Uh, it's interesting. The first one of those we ran was a panel. And then we asked for people's feedback. They were like, yeah, that was, it was cool. Like the panel was great, but man, we'd love to participate more. And Jeff and I were like light bulb, right? So, okay. How do we facilitate an event, a virtual event where everybody can contribute a little bit. People have a chance to talk, ask questions, learn from one another in real time. And they make connections that they then take outside of that event. And they now know each other personally beyond it. So is that, 
I, I mean, do you see some of that kind of thing happening across? I don't know what these 90,000 events are with your, with your big fortune, uh, 100 co- customer, but I mean, is that the kind of thing that you're seeing evolve? Well, well, yeah, to that point, doesn't matter if it's in person or online, you have to figure out how to create a two-way experience yeah. at an event, you know, pre pandemic, I think there was kind of a lot of laziness going on, right? Like you would create a one-way kind of webinar experience. Even if you think about like from a training standpoint, um, I always thought my early days at HubSpot when we did a lot of live customer training, um, a lot of workshops, I'll give you some examples in a moment, like workshops with customers and potential customers. I've always from those early days tried to make them super engaging. So, you know, we did stuff way back in 2010 and 11, where we would do 60, 60 landing page reviews in 60 minutes. So every minute we'd be doing a different landing page. Sometimes it was 30 and 60 minutes, but we would be like asking the audience to participate right along with us. And, and, you know, at the time the technology was pretty limited. I think I was using GoToWebinar at the time, Jay, but like, we were trying to get as much engagement as we could from the audience and also make the, the, the event in that case, like that, like workshop, very dynamic and fast moving. And I think that's the key for a lot of things today, especially online, but even in person, you don't want to sit through 30 or 45 minutes or an hour long keynote. And if you do have that, you may got to make sure that that, that person, those people that are, you know, hosting the 30 minute plus talk, are dynamic, have prepared well, like know, know, know what they're doing, if you will. Like So anyway, the, we can unpack that if you want, but I, I, the short answer is there is a massive opportunity for businesses to tap into the power of a people first kind of go to market and an events are a great way to do that. And you get a lot of data when you do events, especially online events and webinars. That, that, that's an untapped source of, of, of buying intent data. What, what, say more about the data piece. So think about it, right? Like you think about a piece of content, you, you, you put a piece of content on your website, people download it. Okay. That's like a signal of intent. You ask for some of the information. Hopefully you don't ask for it over and over again, but that's kind of common still these days. Yeah. You gate it. Maybe it's not gated, but if you don't gate it, then you're limited at maybe doing like reverse IP lookup. Like, you know, it's hard. It's hard with an event though. You know, you get information before the event. you get information during the event. you get information after the event. That's three potential places at a high level to better understand your customers, to better understand potential customers, to better understand things about your community. I mean, it's it's great for marketing, sales, and CS. It's great for the product. We do events every month called Power Hour at Airmeet, where it's a customer-style event. And we have product people join us every single Power Hour. And sometimes they're presenting, sometimes they're not presenting, but they're listening. They're listening. Oh, yeah. You know, like, (laughs) which is powerful, like the insights that are shared. If you're truly focused on, well, it doesn't matter what you're focused on, like whether it was just an industry process kind of thing, like Gang Grow Retain was initially, or whether it's about a product, you can learn so much from listening to the people who actually use the product or, or actually are trying to do the thing you're talking about. And then it's actioning it, right? So events are, yeah. I think, are good at collecting it. So like now what you can do, say with something like, I'm not going to talk about Aramie, but there's one example, you're able to notify people that, hey, you have a, a customer at this event. Number one, they just they just logged in and started to attend. Oh, and by the way, here are the, the questions or the ways they engage at the event. And we're able to push that right to Slack. So now you can act on that. And again, it's not like 
Hey, what's going on? Like, do you need help? It's like, you follow up like, Hey, thanks for coming by the event today. Let me know if you have any questions. Just, you know, just checking in St- simple stuff. Right. And it's yeah. just that human touch that human. Yeah. I think we have overcomplicated a lot of what we do in both marketing and customer success because we have all this cool whiz bang technology, but what you just said there is so powerful, right? It's like, is somebody, does somebody know that I'm here? And did they take a moment to check in on me? That's a, that's a huge deal, right? Right. Especially it it is simple. And, you know, a lot of times I think we have to be selling to somebody or trying to get them to renew something or do something. But really it's just like a human, a light human touch that says, Hey, we're humans too. And we're here. Um, So to dig into this a little bit more, um, you know, one of the, one of the areas that we're really focused on is, is in the, sort of like as a, as a concept and you know, you see valuations crashing down for SaaS and tech companies. Um, investment dollars are getting a little tight right now. Inflation's rising and you're seeing a lot of layoffs. You're seeing a lot of hey, like, Hey, we need to keep doing what we were doing, but we need to get much smarter about it. And we need mm-hmm. to essentially scale what we were doing before you, you would classify as getting bigger, but not scaling, meaning you're adding resources linearly with your growth. What we're trying to do now, and I think what what um, you know what we're certainly trying to evangelize out of Gangro Retain is this idea of scaled customer success, customer success, and part of it is like the like the power hour that you just mentioned, or um, you know having other customer facing events, and a lot of CSM teams are not. They weren't built with that skill set. So you mentioned a lot of creativity there to keep things dynamic and fun and fast paced. But what recommendations would you give a, a CSM team who might not be used to putting together co- content and experiences like that? How can they start to adopt some of these ideas and create events that are meaningful, fun and valuable for their for their customers to engage in? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's it's funny enough. It's how HubSpot Academy started. I was a HubSpot customer. And when I was a customer, I was like, I wish there was more education content programming for me as a customer. And the onboarding wasn't enough. So I joined HubSpot. I thought it was going to be like a really successful, hopefully, you know, impactful company. Um, and we did a, I was on the CS team at the, at the time. I was an inbound marketing consultant, aka implementation specialist. And over the next like two and a half years um, on that CS team, I just spent like nights and weekends building it with people between the marketing team and the customer success team of the product where we just did things that were related to customer problems. Hey, this customer has a problem around this. Here's how you can think about it more. And also here's how you would use um, the software to help you solve that. And we just use a simple framework of why, how, what, why does this problem matter? How can you think about solving it and what, parts of the HubSpot software, what tools do you need to use to solve the problem? I call it the why, how, what framework, right? This, you can apply it to a gazillion things, right? That mental yeah, model. Like so then we did, like I said, we use go to webinar, but we just did a lot of live workshops, live trainings. And, and I pulled in people from the entire company. And what we started to realize, I remember Frank Ogier and I were talking about it. He was the VP of customer success at the time. He's like, wow, this is starting to scale out our CSMs. We don't have to hire as many CSMs because there's more people going to these. We would have 800 to 900 people attending these live, Jay. Live. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, man. I mean, less competition, you know, like for attention yeah. at that time. So, yeah, and, yeah. And Hubs, you know, HubSpot had, you know, we were five, 10,000 customers growing, right? So um, there's that. But, you know, just imagine doing that with 50 people. 
And like, you know, it, it's just another touch point along the customer journey. And now the CSM can be more strategic because I was still the CSM. I was an AM at then at that point. And I was sending all my book of business to these things. And they would come back to me with like, oh, I love that. It was so good. Like, let me, let's talk about how you would apply some of these things in the context of your business that was more specifically, right? So it was like a dual threat approach. And uh, yeah, it worked, it worked amazing. And then we eventually said, hey, this can be turned into a demand gen thing, a pipeline creation thing. And, you know, kind of the rest is history. All right. Ganger Artain listeners, today's episode is sponsored by Tatango. Tatango helps you compose inspiring customer journeys so you can retain, renew, and expand your customer base. As the industry's only composable customer success platform, Tatango provides ready-to-use CS programs and dashboards that help you quickly and easily launch moments of value at every stage of the customer lifecycle. Get started or request a demo at tatango.com slash GGR. That is tatango.com slash GGR. And now back to the episode. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. First of all, just to be clear, I did not plant that story, but that is the perfect story. I did not. Thank you. I mean, that, that is the story we're trying to tell, which is, and you said it, your words are beautiful. Like, it's not that we're trying to get rid of customer success managers. That's not it at all. We're trying to scale them because CSMs tend to run around and, and do all this stuff and try to learn the product so they can a- enable a customer and then handle the renewal and then take product feedback. Like what if you could scale every single one of those processes independently from one another? And it sounds like that's what you were doing with your webinars. So I love the why, how, what framework, but how did you, when you were building that out at HubSpot, how did you think about the priorities? Like, where did you decide like, okay, we need to build a workshop on this particular topic. Like where did those ideas come from for your team? Great question. No, it's a great question. So two sources that I can remember distinctly. One is product data and one is customer feedback straight up. So um, I'll loop, I'll group, I should say, customer NPS data into product data. So we did a quarterly NPS. So we looked at that. We looked at product usage data. And then, oh, and there's a third actually that I'll mention. Uh, then we talked like to a lot of customers and we got that feedback directly from customers. Uh, we got that feedback from the CSMs that were working with the customers. And then the third place we got it, and this is definitely selfish, but I think every company should be selfish at the end of the day because at the end of the day, like you have to keep growing to stay in business or you know, ultimately, if, you, if you're not thinking about yourself, you'll end up, you know, not being able to serve your customers because you go out of business. Right. So what I'm trying to say is we looked at things that we knew if customers were going to use more of, it would make us more money. So I'll give you an example. So like we we shifted to a uh, second axis pricing model. We only had three core plans you could buy with HubSpot at the time. So then we added in a second axis of pricing, which was based off contacts, number of contacts you had in the system. As that's the whole premise of inbound marketing at the end of the day, right? It's like, let me help you yep. generate more leads. So then we said, well, like, let's, let's create education around email marketing, lead nurturing. Let's help, let's, let's do landing pages. Going back to that landing page example, we ran that workshop a lot and built a whole library of landing page examples because we want people to convert more traffic into leads and that's ultimately going to help HubSpot and help them. So it's, it's, there's a dual value there, of course, right? But the first two are the most prominent, product usage data, where were people not using enough of the product who could be using the product better? Um, and then customer feedback. Yeah, uh, awesome. And I mean, I think that's, our, our team right now is working through like, okay, what are the programs we're going to build? And, you know, 
a lot of times a good place to start as well would be like support data. Like what are the most common questions that are coming into the support team? The problem with customer success teams is those types of questions that are coming in are typically not tracked anywhere, right? So you have to go actually interview the CSM teams and say, hey, like, let's take it up what is the top request you get from your customers, right? Maybe product related, maybe not. It may be like, in our case, like what, what are the best practices to re-energizing a community that is not as active as it used to be, right? Or in your case, like what is an inbound strategy and how do I how do I go set up my first inbound tactical, you know, approach to, to lead generation? So sometimes it's things outside of the product that you have to teach, as well, four case is a great is a great example. We definitely use data from that. Um, yeah, no, I mean, but don't overthink it either, right? Like you kind of once you once you talk to enough people internally and some customers, you, you know, right? You just get yeah, know yeah, it. yeah. But but you're right though to scale it though to figure out because because at the end of the day we started to do two or three different live customer centric events every week. Like I'm not exaggerating. So wow. the amount of like webinars and like online events that I've done, it's got to be probably close to a thousand or over a thousand. And the most important thing you can do though, is you got to keep them fast moving, dynamic, captivating. So how do you do that? You, you got to get people who really love and are passionate about what you're trying to convey and teach other people about. So I'll give that everyone listening. If you're trying to do this, customer success, um, at scale, scaled customer success, get people in your teams. It doesn't matter like, you know, really who they are. It could be someone in product, but if they really love this and they want to become a better public speaker and better presenter and better educator, yep. get them in front of your audience. Just, you know, that will go a long way. Trust me. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a really good point. It's like, um, there's like a handful of things. Like when you're thinking about building a community, whether it's customers or anything else, it's like you need an influencer, somebody who's like a champion to speak confidently and and to your point, have some passion about the topic. And then there's the content itself, right? And then there's the audience and the distribution mechanism. But all those things are sort of secondary to finding somebody who's gonna who's gonna champion it. So did you pull? I mean, clearly you're passionate about some of these topics. I see it in your face and hearing it in your voice, but did you did you all pull like people from your CS team that you know, were passionate in certain areas and had experience in certain areas and they led. Did you teach them how to facilitate? Was that a skill set you had to build? We did over time. We did. We did both those things. We pulled people from marketing, some product people. In fact, some of the best people though, this might seem obvious to some people, but like, just go to your customers. We started to identify people that were super passionate about this as we saw them come back to more and more of these events. And we just started to reach out. We're like, wait a minute. Hey, do you want to create some content with us? Like, let, let, let us interview you and you can get on the blog. Okay, wait, do you want to, do you want to like speak? Do you want to like plan an actual event around what you did? Like, and that, that really then started to spark the community, right? The, the whole of our community yeah. was grown through a few different motions. I definitely think this was one of the primary sources of that community because that then started to get them to speak at inbound, started to speak at HubSpot user groups. That, that just, that started to snowball all of these other programmatic things that HubSpot did over the years. Uh, so yeah, that, that created the ecosystem, if you will. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's something I heard, Jeff and I heard uh, Dave Gerhard say years ago about being the DJ, not the talent. That has always stuck with me when it comes to like embracing your customers and, and building a customer community is like, find the people 
like your customers actually want to hear a lot more from other customers like them that are sitting in their same seat, dealing with the same crap that they're dealing with, same challenges, same metrics, same pressures, more so than they want to hear from a CSM. No offense to the CSMs, but who's been doing this for a year might have some good connections, some good stories or valuable resource, but they just have not sat in the seat. So if you could facilitate that, what a huge win, you know, if you could do it at scale, then you really, really start to win. I kind of say it's like you're like a broker and might, that might not be the best term. Like a matchmaker might sound a bit better. Yeah. I say broker because I think of real estate broker, they bring two different completely unknown parties together, but that's kind of what you need to do. Like the best content marketers, the best marketers, the, the, the best people that are facilitating these, these customer success programs, um, they're, they're matchmaking um, people. And to your point, we, we do have to think about how to, prepare them and, and, and plan one place. I see people under, uh, we're not spending enough time under investing where their time goes is the pre preparation for a lot of these things. Yeah. Uh, to me, if you've done it often enough, you could spend 30 minutes preparing and you might be good. I think for a lot of folks though, you're going to have to spend, it's like the golden rule of sales. I forget like for every hour long sales call, like you just spend like three hours researching or preparing or something like that. I forget, you know, it's like, Sounds about right. Here. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. Well, especially if you're doing something new, like some kind of new content or new kind of format, you got to really invest in that. Now, maybe the 12th time you've run that same webinar, you could probably put 15 minutes into putting your head in the right space before you run that 100%. webinar. Right. Yep. Um, so these events that you had at HubSpot, were they, cause, so I think in terms of programs, when I think about this whole concept, I think in terms of programs. So in a program might be, like uh, you, you, you call it this power hour thing. So mm -hmm. you, maybe, maybe that's a good example, but it's like the same thing and you're doing it over and over and over, right? So you're getting better and better at delivering it. The, the person who's facilitating is building a playbook that they can actually write down and teach other people how to do at some point, right? So it scales better. It's probably higher quality over time. But like, how do you think about the content, like the topics that you need in, in organizing them into a durable program that actually runs forever. Like every other Tuesday, we have a call for this subject. And if a customer ever has a question about it, or if we know a customer is going to come into that need, then we're automatically pointing them to that standing session. Like, how do you think about the programmatic aspect of it, the content? So you kind of have to break it down. Like one way is you think of it like programmatically, if you go back to that example of power hour, that's a branded we branded the program, which is a monthly customer event, but each event that we do every, every month is a different theme. So the, the, and they're not episodic. So you could do episodic type programs where like, it's, it's like six episodes with the same theme. And then after six, you change, you go to another theme yeah. or you don't do that. It's not episodic. And the theme is just at the program level. So it's like, Hey, the theme for power hours is like, getting customers to learn more about how to use Airmeet um, to grow their business and events and event-led growth, basically. And then each one of those, there's a different story and theme. And for for each each time you do something, though, like within your program, each time you hold one of these workshops or trainings or events or whatever you want to call it, what you should always do is start with the end in mind. And in education, it's kind of sometimes called like backwards planning, so you kind of want to write out using one of your favorite like uh, 
educational frameworks, like the the student or the customer or the user will be able to dot 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 dot. And you want to then use like a a verb after the you will be able to. So like a Aramid customer will be able to understand how to da, 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 or they yep. will be able to apply da, 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 right so if you just take that step it goes back to preparation and planning and this is what we did for every single thing we did at hubspot over time we learned this very quickly that then that backwards planning exercise ties into the business outcome because if you're te- if you're saying hey the go back to the hubspot example the hubspot customer will be able to create better landing pages what do you mean by better though? Let's put a number to that. The HubSpot customer will be able to increase the conversion rate of their landing page by 10%. That's an application-based kind of backwards planning statement. Now you can say, wait a minute, how many of those customers who attended this went into the tool, built landing pages or, or updated their landing pages and did they get to that outcome? So what I'm getting at is we're kind of coming, you know, from like a, a thematic standpoint, you know, how do you want to run the program? But then like, how do you actually measure the efficacy and everything like that? It comes down to these, these, uh, these uh, statements of intent that you're trying to get someone to, you know, the, the, the outcomes and yep. be able to measure the outcomes um, from your, the point of view of the business. <laughs> So, so important. And it's, it's like, um, you know, I I think actually customer success teams need more of that, which is define a business outcome and then work backwards from what you're trying to achieve. And then make sure every, all your tactics are like actually driving toward and making that outcome. And it can't be everything, right? Like Mm -mm. increasing retention is probably way too broad. It's like for the, the segment of customers, I deal with. Here is the problem that we see most frequently. And our goal is to reduce the frequency of that problem by X percent, like to your point, but I love the measurable, the measurable framework and then backwards planning of, of uh, sort of defining what you're trying to accomplish. It's basics, but honestly, that's business. It's like very simple stuff. You just got to be disciplined. It's more about execution than it is the idea, right? I go to the, the who and the why. I always start with who are we trying to do this event for and why? And the why is twofold. Why from a business standpoint, point of view, but why from a, from the audience or attendees point of view? Like, so not only like, why would they register and why would they attend, but like, why would they find, why would they think after they went through that experience that that was a good use of their time? Yep. And, and if you're, if you're a business owner, let's say you're actually working, let's say you're a CS team and you're working with a marketing team, you know, everybody has opinions. I have a lot of opinions on how events should run or w- whether it's something should be an event or a workshop or any other variant of that. But I think when you work with other teams too, like my marketing team, they sort of get frustrated with me sometimes. Cause I'm like, here's who, here's why. And here's what I think what is they're like, no, no, don't tell me what, what is. I'm going to tell you what, what is right. But you just tell me what you're trying to achieve. And I'm going to give you some ideas on, on how to go, how to go do that. So, you know, it's important, important to let other people do their jobs too. (laughs) Side note. No, 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 you nailed it. Cause the what and the how and the when and the where, yeah. Like there can be guardrails for those as well, but ultimately like, you know, when you think about between, you know, marketing and a CS team, marketing and a sales team, sales and a CS team, 
aligning on the who and the why starts with everything. So when I when I actually was doing a lot of this at HubSpot, we did this at Drift, we're doing this at Airmeet now. I would always try to include at least one other team from the beginning in what we were trying to build because I knew that for almost everything, they're going to have to be a participant. Either they're going to have to help us promote it, they're going to help have to help us be part of the experience, they're going to have to help us with follow up. Like, so yeah, it just it breaks down the silos of these teams if you think about the who and the why and ask each each of those teams if you will that you're trying to get involved like why would why do you care about this why would you care like what's why would this help you um and yeah it's it's yeah it's not enough i think so like yeah planning can be very quick we got really good at executing these things over time we would have the the template the framework we get into this rhythm the first couple though like you gotta like you gotta spend the time in the cycles and i'd also give a, a, a just a practice or a tip on practice like just just run this too like you know try doing it for a few times and and yeah it's gonna get easier as you do more of it but like you know for the first couple of these just do them for your cs team invite your whole cs team to listen to it and act, have them act as the audience. That was something I wish we probably did more in the beginning. I never really thought to do that, but now it's very obvious. I would do that for something that's a little bit maybe more high stake, just not even high stake. Like the CS team is going to give you feedback on your new programmatic, you know, thing that you're doing. And if it's if it's if it's something you're doing live, that's gold. <laughs> yeah, you know, a um, couple things on that. One, it's always harder to present to your colleagues and your peers and even like. Even if you like practice at home with your family, <laughs> it's so much harder because you think they're going to yeah. criticize you so much more. Um, but, but it's so important. And the second thing I was thinking about that, and, and I, um, I got some advice a long time ago when I presented in my first board meeting uh, from one of our board members. I was at dinner with the board the night before, and and one of our sweet board members, and she really was sweet. She was a mentor to me every time. She was like, "Well, I'm sure you've already rehearsed your board presentation, and then we're really looking forward to." to seeing it tomorrow and everything. And I was like, Oh shit, I did not rehearse my board presentation, but I know what I'm doing as soon as I get done with dinner tonight. And I went and rehearsed it that night. And the next day, and this seems so basic, like how old was I? I was probably in my early thirties at the time, but, um, and I, I mean, according to, in my opinion, I crushed it, right. Because I already knew what I was going to say. The words had already physically come out of my mouth once before. Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to correct myself before I had to correct myself or stumble in front of a, in front of an audience. So anyway, just back to your point on practice, that's, that's so critical, no matter whether you're presenting to a customer on a one-off basis or probably even more critical. If you're, if you're doing a more of a formal webinar style engagement with them, so powerful practice, run it. I mean, think about like it. Think about musicians, sports teams, they all prep a little bit before they go on stage or play the game. Totally. They all warm up. That's the same. It's equivalent. It's just, it really is. Yeah. I mean, this is our profession. And if, and if you, um, yeah, if you could do that and you could be on point and deliver consistently, it's great for your career. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that whole thing that ended up becoming a funded initiative at HubSpot, which became part of the marketing team. And I mean, it got me all the way to, to, to VP at HubSpot like that. I mean, that was, that was it for kind of me, for my career. If you think about it, I mean, that's, like, <laughs> that's yeah, no, I mean, you, you've made your career through basically building community through enablement and training customers in, in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. How did, how did HubSpot like, 
surely somebody had to buy in initially to this as a, as a vision. Did you, did you sort of do the skunk work things and thing and, and like build it and then show the success after you did it quietly? Or did you go and say, Hey, we're going to do this thing. We need a little bit of investment. And then you built from that. How, how did it actually unfold? Oh, no, I knew like the best way to do this was to, to, to prove it through the voice of the customer. And, and HubSpot was like, you know, very, such a great company for so many reasons, but like they, they wanted yeah. you to do experiments. You know, the whole HubSpot partner program that Pete started, Pete Caputo was just an experiment for a long time. He was doing it as part of his day job as being an account executive. I was doing this part of my day job as being an implementation specialist and AM. It was like a year and a half, two years, somewhere between those, those two timeframes where I was doing this nights and weekends. I remember like commuting to Boston. I was on the train. I was creating content, getting ready for the, the webinars. I would do it every Tuesday, Thursday. I would get people involved. I would start to present this back to Brian and Darmesh. I would get, you know, present this to, to the VP of customer success. Uh, you know, marketing would start to see it. Customers started to talk about it. There was a lot more, started a lot more action on social media, Twitter mostly at the time. And like, it was just there's just a lot of momentum being built. And then I started to say, well, how, how do I connect this to data? Showing like, tried to show cause and effects. Was he able, able to show like correlation? But then then it was just like very obvious. I mean, this was saving people's time. This was making the CSMs more strategic. We didn't have to hire as many. We could scale that out. Like, But then it started to show like, this would affect product adoption. Like we looked at like 90 days before we did this, um, either, you know, training about XYZ or this, this short programmatic thing about blogging for the, for the month, how much blogging was going on in these customers that, that attended before this for 90 days, how much blogging and usage happened post 90 days. A lot of the times you looked at that, the numbers would dramatically go up and was sustained. So it's like, well, now you're really cooking with gas. So then it's just like, I got funding for a three-person team and I left the team was about 40 people. We had a product team focused on it. We had, I mean, it was driving, you know, it was a top three driver of pipeline and demand for HubSpot. HubSpot Academy ended up being. Now the team, the team is like 60 people, seven, I mean, but it doesn't have to get that big. It's not like, because it's such a scalable way to do it. Because like one person can reach tens of thousands of customers, right? So it's such a cool way to do it anyway. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome, man. How big was HubSpot when you first started it? I was 140th employee. So it was probably wow. right, right around 150 when I started it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. Yeah. So you're not, this is really important. You're not talking about something that you have to do when you have a thousand employees. Like you're talking no. about something you did when you were probably yeah. B round of fundraising or A round of fundraising. Technically it was series C, but like this, we, we raised like 30, it was 30 million, but like, yeah, no, it was, but no, but like we're, we at drift, we did it. I mean, we were technically series C like, but at Army we were series B. You could do this out. You should do this out of the gate. If I, I started my own company, this would be one of the first things I, I we would do. Cause I would know I would use it for both demand gen and customer success. Yeah. Well, let's, let's, I want to talk about that a little bit too. Like you're drawing a really interesting distinction between demand gen and and customer experience for existing customers. But talk to me a little bit more about like, how did you actually cater to the demand gen side of this? Because was it just like generic thought leadership content that would be in these educational seminars or was it product stuff or was it both? and, And you were just opening it all up. No, it's a good question. So yeah, when I mean with demand gen uh, is like new business demand gen versus, you know, um, expansion yep. demand gen. Yeah. But like, no, I mean, you use it for both. So what we found was we started to have a lot of like non-customers come to these. It just started to happen. Like, you know, salespeople were starting to talk about it with their customers. So at, at the time it started, it was like hundred percent customers. 
over the year and a half, two years, it was like 60% customers, 40% prospects or potential customers. I was like, oh my God, well, this is interesting. So wow. uh, we started to become more deliberate with that. Then it goes back to the why, how, what framework. We talked about the how from like a non-HubSpot perspective, more from like an inbound marketing or content marketing or social media or email marketing best practice standpoint. And then we would talk about, well, here's what it looks like if you used HubSpot with it. The what plus the how gets you to the why. So then we just started to bifurcate those things out. Like sometimes you would just only talk about like the HubSpot stuff. Sometimes we would not talk about HubSpot at all. And you just, you create two kind of streams of content, of training, of events. Sometimes they come came together, but yeah, I mean, look at HubSpot Academy now. It's it's a blend of both. I mean, their yeah. library is massive, you know. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Do do they gate any of the product content for customers only, or is it is it just all open? <laughs> the great question. So then we realized as HubSpot started to do PLG, we're like, wait a minute, this is an amazing way to scale PLG. So like, no, like we started to like it. it no, the short answer is no, and that's why we made a foundational decision. And I asked Brian and Darmesh over time in the early days, like 12, 2012, 13, 14, and other people like, Hey, should we charge for this? Should we charge for this? Yeah. We always said, no, this was all about growing the brand, growing the ecosystem, adding more value to customers. And we knew if we did this, they would stick around longer, better attention. We found stuff like this, uh, Jay, people who got certified. So this is one of our programs. This is one of like, this is really deep, but like customers, uh, sorry, not customers, but potential customers who got certified before they became a customer had a 15% higher average sales price. And they had, I don't remember the exact number now, but they had X percent better retention rates because we had so many years of data, we could look at it like that. So it was just like, and actually fun fact, I remember this data point, the customers who got certified versus those who didn't had a 10% longer sales cycle on average. But that's because they spent more time educating themselves and they were like more bought into what they were buying and then they retained better. So it's like, I, it, yeah, I'm telling Their time you. to value is probably a lot faster as well, right? Because they, yeah, they, they used the, they did use it faster. Yes, they did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's insane, man. What a cool story. Just to hear you say Brian and Darmesh, like, like they're your friends. Like, and these guys are like gods to me <laughs> in the SaaS world. You know what I mean? No, so, they're great people. They're great people. Yeah. Great people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing, man. Well, um, we've been going a little bit now. We're sort of starting to run out on time, but um, like a few really awesome takeaways here for me. Like one is like, as you're thinking about creating these programs, think about the why, how, and the what. I, I like that a lot. And the who, right? Like who's your target oh, yeah. audience and um, very, very, very salient starting small and just starting with something and, and being okay with learning, I think is good to practice, like come up with a topic, practice it, deliver it, see what went well. It's okay to not get it hundred percent right the first time. Um, and then, you know, what you said there at the end was really important too, which is, you know, the more you can open up your, your product content, your, your thought leadership content and not put it behind a paywall or a customer wall. Some, co some companies are different, right? They have products that they can't really talk about as publicly and that kind of thing, which I totally understand. But the more yep. open you can be like, that's what customers are actually looking for. And that's what your prospects are looking for too. It sounds like that's what you found in a major way in HubSpot created a movement around inbound marketing, right? And, and, I have to believe that this is this strategy was part of how that was done. 
Definitely a big part of it. I'd say this and the blog. I mean, those are the two. I mean, the blog brought everyone in at the very, very top of the funnel because at the time where it still is, but like organic, right? Um, and then it's like, well, how do you get them to engage a little bit deeper and further? You have them go through synchronous or asynchronous education. I mean, it, it, you could call it marketing, you call it whatever you want, content, you know, they consume content, but like, um, you know, I always say like, if they get, if they can read or watch something, that's good. If they can download something, that's better. But if you get them to show up to any type of event, remember, we're talking like, you know, event as a, as a high level term. Yep. Think of, think about how you just reimagine what you mean by an event. If you get them to show up to something like that, that's, that's a lot better. And then the last thing is if you get them to actually go through uh, some type of structured experience that's either purely live, live and with some asynchronous material and get, get like a certification, like actually take an assessment at the end of it. That's either, you know, answer-based or more action-based outcome-based. That's the pinnacle. Yeah, that's huge. Uh, so but- you think about like those kind of four things. I'm sure I maybe missed one or two things, but like. <laughs> Shoot. Sorry, man. I think our, our connections get a little choppy here. Can you hear me? Oh yeah. I got you. It's all good. Yeah. The whole time. Okay, cool. It's chopping yeah, on my end. I don't know what's, I don't know what's going on. Okay. But I got you now, but yeah, read, watch, download, show up. It's like, it's increasing levels of commitment to the outcome that they're looking for. Right. And if you could, if you could capitalize on that, it's great. And from a customer standpoint, you know, the same thing applies, whether you're buying, whether you're looking to buy something or, or sell something, or whether you're looking to retain a customer. So I love this framework. I love everything that you talk about with community and events. And um, I'm just, I'm excited for us to continue chatting more because every, every time I chat with you, I get new ideas and um, just really inspired by your, by your HubSpot stories and what you're creating today. So it's been fun, man. We'll, we'll have to do it again for sure. So absolutely. Jay. No, it's been a pleasure. Where, where could people find you if they want to connect? I mean, LinkedIn is where I'm most active. Uh, you know, I feel like Twitter, you know, it's Twitter's Twitter at this point, but like LinkedIn, just, just head over to LinkedIn yeah. and, uh, you know, check out airmeet.com. We got a free product. Um, out and, uh, yeah, I, I, I do believe that, um, you know, I, I've said like the businesses that are the best educators are going to be the ones that are most successful. Yeah. To so educate bit with that. Kind yeah. Of quote. I love it. I love it. That's great, man. All right, dude, we'll do it again soon. Thanks for your, uh, thanks for your, your time. Have a great weekend. Hey everybody, Jay here. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. You know, this started as a labor of love for Jeff and I a couple of years ago, and it's really turned into a movement around customer success and community, and we couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, we grow this by word of mouth, so we'd, we'd love it if you're willing and you find value in what you hear on this podcast. Leave us a rating or a review on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll help us grow and, and provide value to more customer success professionals. Also, if you haven't yet, 
yet, please sign up for Gain, Grow, Retain, the online community. It's gaingrowretain.com. You can meet other people, make one-on-one connections, share ideas, get ideas, grow your career ultimately. Um, Be on the lookout also for live events, both in-person and virtual this year. We're excited to get back to that. And thanks for being part of the community. We look forward to talking to you soon. Mm -hmm.